Welcome back to the He She Podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Bridget. And today we are continuing our talk on the kingdom of God. But you actually just had your book, The Good Cult, come out this week for pre-sales. And so we wanted to dive into really what this book is all about, this topic that we're talking about, that we're really tackling, and why it's important even for the listeners or even who it's for. So let's start with the book and remind everyone what this book is, what it's about, and really why did you write it? Who's it for? So the book, The Good Cult, How Christianity Stole Your Purpose, Power, and Passion, and How You Can Take It All Back. And this book is written off of my experience for the past 25 years as a man, trying to have connection with God, trying to be successful in business, have a great marriage, have a healthy body, be a good father, and find fulfillment in life. And so in my experience, there were a lot of ways that religion held me back from becoming the best version of myself, the way I believe I was created to be. And so who this is not for is people who are happy in their current faith, or religion, or their church experience. I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody. If somebody has found Christianity to be the way, then I think that's fantastic. And if you are a man, which is who this book is specifically written to, so if you're a man that's in church and you're being fulfilled and you have enough money and you have an on-fire relationship with your wife and you have a deeply connected relationship with your kids and your body is in good shape, and you have a good streamlined connection with the Father, independent of your experience in church, or even in your experience in church, then if that's working for you, then I say, keep doing what you're doing. For the people who don't feel like that is the case, the men specifically who are either bored in church, it's not creating an environment that allows you to operate in the power of God that you believe you were created to operate in. If you're going through the motions out of shame, guilt, obligation, or even fear, or maybe you're even pacifying your wife to show up at church and go through the motions because you think that's what she wants and that's what she needs, but really you're finding that there's a disconnection at home. So you're doing everything that you think you need to do to keep your wife happy. You're going to church, you're going to the men's Bible studies, you're you're doing all the work, but you're feeling empty, hollow inside. And as a result, you're not showing up powerfully as a husband, mm-hmm. the way that your wife needs you to. And you may not even know that, but here's how you would know. If your wife isn't satisfied, and if she's not showing up powerfully with you intimately, she's encouraging you, she's for you, she loves spending time with you. If those things aren't happening, there's a possibility that you're leaking some power because you're going through the motions of religion versus tapping into the fullness of your divine masculinity. Mm. And so I think in a nutshell, this book is for any man who has been through experiences that I've been through, have either been bored, like we just talked about, or burned out. You're just working, doing a lot of stuff, but you feel like the being part of manhood is not being captured like there's just more, there has to be more to life. Mm, I, yeah. I'm just not feeling fulfilled. 
or there's a lot of men who've specifically been hurt, betrayed, broken, belittled by the institution or by its leaders or even by its parishioners and where Christianity has really created a very negative picture of who God is. And so in many cases, you've either walked away from God completely and said, listen, I've tried religion, I've tried church, I've tried God, it didn't work. Well, this book is for you. And I actually think you're going to be really empowered by it. If you have ever felt belittled or emasculated, or you were spoken down to, or you were attempted to be controlled, or other people had plans for your life that seemed to be more important than your plans for your life, then this is for you. This is for the man who wants to really create a life of freedom in every area of your life. And you're speaking specifically to men, which it doesn't mean that this doesn't also apply to women or that women can't read this book, but just to make a clear reason as to why you're speaking to men, women, generally speaking, find a different sense of their own personal fulfillment in church that looks a lot different than men. Typically, generally speaking. I'll say it like this. Church is a nurturing environment. Yes. And so it it meets people where they're at, oftentimes in their weakest moments. It coddles them at times, tells them everything is going to be okay, which is good. It's comforting. Yet men are designed to be protectors and providers. And so that environment might be great for a woman. It might be great for some men. But there's another group of men that really want to focus on how do I be a good protector of my family, of what I care about? How do I be a good provider and build businesses or create wealth or create an environment that my family can thrive in? Yeah. So there's just different needs that men have in showing up even in the world than women do. And so church becomes or can become a environment where it's easy to get a lot of those relational needs met. You're going to church, you actually are helping out in church, feeling valued in the way that you are showing up, caring, nurturing those around you, whether it's through a small group study, nursery care, women's groups, whatever it may be. And you're also going and listening to a male figure, generally, most of the times, where you're receiving a lot of leadership from your pastor, parishioner, priest, whatever. And that actually is a need that women have, is to be guided by strong leadership, by strong male leadership, to be specific. And so there are a lot of needs that we can get into maybe on a different episode of the difference between male, female. But this is, I just want to clarify, this is partly why you're speaking specifically to men. There are needs that are not being met in men when they attend church that they need to live powerful lives and to show up as a strong leader in their home. And so tell us a little bit about your story and how you turn to the church at different points in your life as a husband, as a father, just as a man, that you were looking for support, but you didn't really find, just kind of unpack what brought you to this point of even writing this book? Yeah. Well, I originally, I think around 18, I started wrestling with the conversation of God. Was not raised really in church, went to church a few times, but it wasn't a conversation in my home. It wasn't something I had any understanding around. 
you know, I really started wrestling with this conversation of God. And then when my former wife had um, was pregnant with our first child, I just had this deep conviction, sense of urgency. And like, I need to get, I need to go to church. I need to get, figure out what this God thing is about. And so at that time, I ended up actually going to a church uh, where there was a pastor that was a, he was really a great teacher. He wasn't an emotional guy. He just really laid things out factually about scripture that made a lot of sense to me. And so at that point, I made an intellectual decision to pursue Jesus Christ. And when I did that, there was actually a notable shift in me that I noticed there were changes that were happening internally that I didn't seem to be in control of. And so it, I felt like it was a very tangible shift, which some would say is like a death and rebirth, you know. It was a noticeable transformation. Yeah, some people would call it born again, whatever that, whatever that experience was, I definitely felt the power of God enter into my life. Mm. And I and I sensed change. And then over the years, as I was recruited to help with the church plant in one church and then another church, and then I became a leader in church. What I realize is that in my experience, every church I went to, growth was capped at a certain level. So the way that I can explain it best is I first realized that there was a bicycle that I could learn how to ride. That's when I went to church. And when I went to church the first time, I was given this bicycle with training wheels on it. And it allowed me to kind of wobble as I rode, but I rode down and I stayed upright. And then as I started learning and growing and reading on my own and connecting with God on my own, when I would go back into church, it was like I was trying to ride a bike without training wheels. And when I would come back to church, it was like I'd have to set that bike aside on the sidewalk and I'd have to get on the other bike and put the training wheels back on when I went into church because it's like they were always speaking to the lowest common denominator in church, which is where I was at mm -hmm. a couple years earlier. And so I was having a hard time finding spiritual guidance and maturity that I needed, that I was looking for. As you were growing. As I was growing. And what I realized is that spirituality doesn't happen in a vacuum. Spirituality is the making of who I am as a man. And so spirituality was actually weaved together with every other area of my life. And so my spirituality and connection with God was actually directly tied to my physicality, to my health, to my fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're if you actually believe that you are the temple that God chose, the vessel he chose to dwell his presence within, it changes how you look at your body. It changes what you put in your mind. It changes really everything about you. And even how I value myself. And so when I value myself, I want to take care of my body. So if I believe that I was created in the image and likeness of God and I'm allowing my body to be poisoned, with food that is not good for me, or I'm not taking care of it with proper activity. And there is a growth and decay in life. It's just a fact. Nothing remains the same. So things are either growing or they're dying. And it was also connected to my business results. And it was also connected to my connection with my wife and my kids. Spirituality. My spirituality was. My connection with God was directly tied to these things. And so I was learning this on my own, but I didn't really have a framework to capture it because when I was going back into the church environments, I was basically being just brought back into this system and it was kind of like going to work. And so for men who are familiar with business, which I've been, I'm a retired firefighter, but I've been in business since my early twenties. And so for the past 25 years, I've been in business and everybody knows that to run a successful business, 
business principles are the same across every business. There's marketing strategies, there's operations, there's everything that goes into making a business run successfully. There are habits and systems in place to allow that business to thrive. Mm -hmm. Well, what I realize is that church is just another form of business, except the commodity, the product that's being sold is God. Wow. And so even if we go back to the 501c3 nonprofit corporation, when it was developed in the either 50s or 60s, it was basically at that point, it seemed like a good thing. Government's like, hey, pastors, you want more money. What people probably didn't realize is the government also wanted a little bit of control. So they're like, hey, we'll make a little trade-off. We'll give you this tax-free incentive where you don't have to pay taxes on the money that you bring in from your parishioners and your parishioners don't have to pay taxes on the money they give you. And that's going to help increase the bottom line of your business. All we ask in exchange is that you just don't touch on topics like politics. I don't, I don't want you taking a stand for any political leader. I don't want you taking a stand for any major social issues because we basically don't want you to influence change in our government or in our society. And so I don't know that many people see it this way, but it was a bit of a bribe of saying, hey, we'll give you more money in exchange for your silence. Mm -hmm. And so as I started seeing that, what I started to really unpack was, wow, the institutional church, which for me had been connected to my relationship with God, are actually two different things. There's my relationship with God first, and then if I go to work, I'm in relationship with God at work. And if I go to church, I'm in relationship with God at church. But church was not synonymous with God any more than my work was synonymous with God. And so I began to see this big separation. But even as I was trying to have conversations about this, it was like blasphemy when I would talk to people because being in leadership in the church or being friends with leaders in the church, the way I could prove my commitment to Jesus Christ was to prove my commitment to the church was to prove my commitment to its leaders, my to loyalty. Their, to their mission. To their, their mission, purposes. their cause, their denomination, their impact in the community. And it just created a big rub for me. Hmm. Well, especially when you go to church thinking, hoping, looking for a way to grow in deeper connection with God. But what often you find is how to grow their specific purpose or mission that they have for their community. Not to say that churches aren't impacting the community or doing great things. However, when we say that our purpose is to pour into another man's purpose and how they're serving God, it actually causes a disconnect for us in going straight to the source of the Lord and saying, Lord, where are my purposes with you on this earth? Where do you want me to give my money? Where do you want me to serve my time? And so it actually becomes a, another third party translating what God's, what God's heart really is for you. Well, that happened to me. I, back in 06, I retired from the fire department, sold my business, and I felt like God moving me into a different season. And my wife and I were in agreement on it. We were moving across the country. And at the time, I was a leader, a council member in our church and friends with the pastor. And I told him, hey, God has called me, us, to, to move. So we're going to move. And this is where we're headed. And, and it's been great. 
serving with you and being friends with you. And I was basically told by him that I did not hear God. I was being deceived and that my role was to stay there and help him build his church. Mm. And, you know, I thought, wow, wow, that was a, I didn't expect that. Mm. And so I left and our relationship was never restored after that. Now, this is a person I had faithfully served for years, shown up and done this stuff. And, And when it came down to it, it was as though I was valued while I was there because of what I gave them Mm -hmm. in their organization, not because of who I was or who God had called me to be. So there was no lifting up or helping to uncover the future version of Trevor. Mm -hmm. There was, how do we use the current version of Trevor to serve our needs? Yeah. And I didn't see that in scripture. What I see in scripture is God saying, hey, there is a perfected form of you that Jesus represented while he was on the earth. And our job as men, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search out the matter. So our life is intended to be a process of evolution and of uncovering, revealing that perfected man that's within all of us. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. And so I began over the course of this journey, I began to have experiences with God that were supernatural. I began to develop my confidence in hearing God's voice. And it was oftentimes very different than what culture was saying to do or what the church was telling me to do. And what I've come to realize now, 25 years into this journey, bankrupt, homeless, two marriages, lived in six states, 20 houses, tons of businesses, I've just realized that the only thing that can allow me to truly be successful in life is my direct communion with God every single day. And that is independent of any structure, any institution, or any man's opinion about my life for that matter. Yeah. Well, it just reminds me even of my journey, going back to the bicycle analogy I was at, I grew up in the church and so I actually grew to know who the Lord was and have a relationship with him through the church at a young age and and grew up to love being there love learning about God but if you look at it as I was I had training wheels and the church was the training wheels for me on my path to discovering more of who God is but as I grew up I realized I had to learn to ride that bike on my own I had to learn how to have connection relationship with God apart from the training wheels of the church that helped me at a younger age younger state of my spirituality and I learned to have to ride the bike at different levels right And even just this last two years, I went to a school of supernatural ministry where they train you in how to really live in the way that God has actually designed you to live within the kingdom in connection with the father. And when we do that, we actually end up looking more and more like Jesus because he was the picture of what it looks like to live powerfully in connection, communion with the father. And one of the things that our leaders of the school would say to us is, hey, you're here for a period of time just to be trained and equipped, right? They are the training wheels. And those who actually succeed in riding the bike without the training wheels when you leave this school are those who actually find connection with God 
on their own, apart from this institution outside of the school, outside of this environment, this atmosphere, because you can come into church, whether it's like through a worship service, you hear a good sermon, whatever, and get super hyped, feel close to God. But then you go home, you go to work, and you feel like his presence, you've left his presence because you actually haven't been taught, learned, trained to know how to carry the presence of God with you Mm -hmm. everywhere you go. And so there is a season of having training wheels, but at some point, if your life is not looking more and more like Christ, then you've not really learned to ride the bike of life without the training wheels. Yeah. Well, I think that's even, uh, there's another way for me to say that is the Jesus that Christianity has painted, broadly speaking, there's 2 billion people that would call themselves Christians, and there's tons of different denominations and different expressions of, of what that word means to a lot of people. But broadly speaking, Christianity has created a picture of a loving, but also passive and weak man. Turn the other cheek, just be nice, be good. And social justice in many ways has taken over the power of God. And if I read through scripture and really understand God's nature, he's a very powerful creator. And he's not one to be mocked. He's not one to be controlled, manipulated, to be sold sold or used for your own purposes. And so I have come into a very submissive relationship and friendship with God. But through that humility with the Lord, I've actually been able to show up very powerfully in my life. Mm -hmm. I've also endured a lot of battles because that's just what life brings. And so I think there's a lot of things that I'll unpack in this book that will make sense to the man who's like me. There's a lot of conversations that men just have a problem with God But they really, I would argue, don't have a problem with God. They have a problem with the way God has been presented to them. And because nobody has shown them a pathway to God in the absence of religion, they actually have never experienced the one true God, the I am. And that's who I want to introduce people to. And so we'll talk about conversations like tithing. And what does God really say about your money? And that's a big topic. Mm -hmm. But I fully believe that scripturally and by experience, obedience is better than sacrifice. So God would rather you give $2 to somebody because he told you to, than to give $200,000 to the local church or charity because they got you hyped up into an emotional frenzy and convinced you why you should give to them. And so I'm not saying that it's bad to give ever, be generous. I believe we were created to be generous. But when we're walking in partnership and friendship with God, He will direct our resources in ways that best serve His kingdom and best serve the people that we are engaged with. And so the kingdom of God is a realm that's around us and within us all the time. And when we can tune in to the Spirit of God, what we find is there's opportunities to actually not only add value, but to receive value all day long. But when we're stuck in this trap of religion, then it's very difficult to actually live that out. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a difference between giving because another man tells you to give versus giving because God tells you to give because God ultimately sees all. He knows where those $2, as -hmm. an example, is really going to be most impacted. And you have an awesome story about that just as, as an example of 
when you're connecting to the heart of the father and he tells you to give whatever the dollar amount is, there is a greater purpose beyond that is far greater than the purposes of man. There's a scripture that says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And I think that in many cases, we do things because we've been taught that they're good to do. But every time we do something outside of the presence of God or the direction of God, we actually are dying and we're actually disconnecting from God because what we're essentially telling him is, hey, I actually don't want to listen to you or do anything that you're saying. Uh, but I'm going to go do these things because my ego feels good about it. And so as you know, the story you're referring to, my friend, years ago, we stepped out of church and all of a sudden his face got kind of flushed and he looked at his wallet and then he looked at me and then he looked back at his wall and he looked out in the parking lot and then all of a sudden he took off running across the parking lot. And he made an exchange with a guy in a truck and then he came back and I asked him like, well, what just happened? He said, man, it was the weirdest thing. I, when I walked out of the church, I just felt like God say, go give that guy everything that's in your wallet. And when I opened up my wallet, he says, there's only $2 in there. And I thought, there's no way I can just give him $2. And so sitting there wrestling, his ego was basically, his pride was getting in the way and saying, that's not a big enough gift to give somebody. And if he had $100 in there, it wouldn't have been an issue. But because there was only $2, he almost didn't do what he felt the Lord prompting him to do. But fortunately he did. And he ended up running across the parking lot and he had the guy roll down his window and he said, hey, the Lord told me to give this to you. And he handed him the $2. And that guy broke down crying. And he said, well, you don't know this, but today is my wife's birthday. And she just passed away a couple of months ago. So this is the first time we're celebrating her birthday without her here. And we actually had a tradition as a family that everybody in the family gave her $2 on her birthday. Wow. And who would have known that other than God. And here's the thing, you hear stories like that and you, you know, I get emotional because I'm like, wow, God, only God would know. And that's why it's so important for us to be connected to the source of life himself to know really where we should be putting our time, our resources, our energy in. And yet that actually puts us in a really vulnerable position to be subject obedient, connected to God alone and not another man, another person, because it's so much easier to say, well, my pastor said, and I did and whatever, it actually removes any sort of responsibility that we have to say we're being obedient to God. And you look at Abraham, who literally was told by the Lord to take his son up on the mountain and sacrifice him to kill him. And he did, he, he began to bring him up to the mountain. And I just always read that story like, oh my gosh, wow. If the Lord told me to do that and I said, no, I would be directly disobedient to the Lord. But if someone else told me, hey, Bridget, you know, the Lord told me that you need to do X, Y, Z, and I either did or didn't. Well, I'm only being disobedient to that person. And so it doesn't hold as much weight. It actually removes me from the source that I'm actually having direct either obedience or disobedience to. Mm -hmm. And so it's a scary thing to actually remove yourself from any other third party and have direct connection with God. Because, I mean, it, well, there's a burden that comes with freedom. 
and that is responsibility. But there are benefits to being responsible, and there's a cost to being responsible. There's benefits to being a victim, but there's cost to being a victim. The benefit to being a victim, in other words, somebody is telling me to do something or I'm just waiting for things to happen to me, or I'm where I am because something happened to me, the benefit is I don't have to feel bad about myself. I don't have to feel the pain of making a poor choice. The problem is I don't actually have the power to fix it either, because if it happened to me, I actually was not in control, and therefore I cannot be in control of the solution. So being responsible hurts because my ego has to say, oh man, that was a bad decision. It did not lead me to the result that I wanted. But because I'm taking responsibility for that decision, I then get to take control over my next decision to get the result that I want. And one thing that I found to be true in most of Christian culture is that there are a lot of people that are really good at posting scriptures and memes that are not tied to practical application, knowledge, and wisdom. And so there's been this culture of throwing scripture at people's problems rather than introducing people to the Father who can walk you through solving your problems. Mm -hmm. And there's a very big reality around escapism. You know, there's just so many people that are just waiting for Jesus to come back and rescue them. And Lord, it's so bad. Please come back and save us. Please come back and save us. And I read scripture through a different lens where I believe that God put us here to save ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that we are the Savior, yeah, you need the Savior. There's one Savior, Jesus Christ, but we've been given His power and authority on earth. So we've actually been given the authority to save ourselves. And there's nobody coming to rescue you. You have to rescue yourself. But how can I rescue myself if I've been taught to be a victim and that I've been taught that I'm just waiting for Jesus to come rescue me? And I know for me personally, I've said many prayers that were not followed by action because I was waiting for God to come rescue me versus praying and then putting my hand to the plow and taking effort and, and expecting God to show up and bring me favor or connections or relationships or whatever it was. And there's some of these things that I'm going to be talking about are just slight shifts, but they will unlock the man to realizing, oh, God is a secret weapon. Oh, oh, I'm actually not weak because who was it? Karl Marx that said religion was the opium of the masses. There's a there's a sedation that comes through religion because people just shut their minds off and they blindly follow the people that are telling them what to do. But there's an awakening, alternatively, that comes through being connected to the Father. So I'm no longer sedated by religion. I'm awakened by the power of the Spirit. And by that awakening, I can actually see things, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. And when I apply those things to my life, I can actually create great things and ultimately be a liberator for others and become a beacon of light to others and a beacon of hope because I'm actually carrying the power of God with me. Well, and the reality is Jesus actually already came and saved you. So, and he gave you all the power, authority, dominion on this earth to then create the life that God has set in motion from the beginning of time for us to live. And that is in full purpose and power and passion yeah. for life. And so when we are constantly looking to 
religious circles to say, how can I be saved or what do I need to do to get closer to God? Jesus already did it. He paid the full price for you and your freedom. And now it's a matter of walking it out. And so there is a practical process of what that looks like to your point. It's not just some pie in the sky, unattainable thing that we're trying to bring down to earth. It's actually, there's so much practicality in living a powerful, purposeful existence in our everyday life, in our business, in our marriage, in our well-being, in our mindsets. And so you go into a lot of this in your book. How do you take back all of the ways that religion has caused you to feel like you have to really do more to be saved, to get closer to God, when in reality, you already have everything you need, but you just maybe don't know you have all the tools or even how to use them? Well, one of the things, so I've got a, it's really more of a thought module than anything, but it's around resourcefulness. And so if I understand being connected to the Father and He has got access to every resource in heaven and on earth, then as a son, I should have access to those resources and I should be able to apply them to my life. But we don't we don't really teach people in our culture, and this is even beyond religion, this just goes to the educational system. So in many cases, the school system is doing the same type of control and brainwashing that the church is in many cases, is that people are being trained in what to think. Mm. They're actually not being trained how to think. They're being trained what to think. And so what I have discovered is that God does not want to tell me what to think. He wants to unlock my mind so that I can learn how to think. And so one of the things I've asked the Lord for years regularly is, Lord, show me how you run your world so I'll know how to run mine. Well, that's a thinking process. It comes through connection with the Father. It comes through reflection, making mistakes, growing, getting around mentors and people who have already gone before me. And so there are a lot of teachers in this world that are telling people what to think. But there are very few fathers in this world that are telling people how to think. And as a father of four kids, my desire is not to tell my kids what to do or what to think, but is to show them who they are, and how to think. And when they do that, they can actually discover their own identity outside of anybody else's opinion. Yeah. And this is ultimately the power that we have and the power that you're speaking about when we have the power to create our own life and be in connection and relationship with God. It's a game changer. And oftentimes religion has cause so much pain, confusion, hurt for people that they shut the door to this source of all power that actually recharges you to go live a purposeful, powerful, passionate life in every area and be resourceful to be not only a blessing to your own family, but to your community, to others around you, because we all have been given a unique divine purpose within us. But oftentimes I think that we either get so sidetracked, distracted, discouraged, whatever it is through just the pains of life that we end up shutting the door to the source of life. And it causes us to actually be in this kind of hamster wheel of 
victimhood where life is just happening to us yeah. instead of us creating our life in the way that God has designed us to be creators of our own lives. Yeah. There's a scripture that says, that speaks to the point of having a form of godliness, but denying his power. And there is also scripture of Jesus having people in the last days say to him, but, but Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he comes back and says, well, yeah, you did, but I never knew you. And so you were doing things for me, not with me. And I believe we were created to do things with God, not for God. God does not need us to do anything. So to get that clear, yeah. like God's purposes are going to be fulfilled on this earth with or without me. It's his desire I believe, to come in partnership and friendship with him and for us to build and expand and grow and create together, just like he and Adam created in the garden together. God and Adam walked together and God gave Adam the authority and the freedom to go create and expand and till the land and nurture and grow. And we have that same opportunity today, but culture has had such a strong pull and the power of God has been denied or ignored. And so even when I first started The Outlier's Way back in 2018, I was taking men out on retreats in the mountains of Montana. And these were powerful men in their own rights. They, they believed in God. Mm -hmm. They had thriving businesses. They had beautiful families. But they were bored in their expression of manhood, masculinity, as it was connected to the father, because they felt like there was something more. So we would go out and I would allow these men to create an environment and an experience that where they could actually sense the power of God. And, and we saw incredible things happening in these very strong men. They were breaking and childhood wounds were being healed and they were having their minds open to what it would look like to actually walk in the presence and the power of God versus just going to church, even being worship leaders. There were people that were coming in and they'd been doing all the good things in church their whole life, but they were missing the presence and the power of God in their life. Well, and I actually see this a lot where they're desperately wanting to serve the Lord to do what's right before him. And so they go about their life really searching out, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to move here or here? Do you want me to join this club or this one? Or do you want me to do this job or this job or whatever it is? And it becomes this almost wrestle of, I need to be in the very perfect will of God. And so it really matters what he wants me to do. When in reality, he's literally given you the power yeah. to say, what life do you want to create? I've given you myself. I've given you all of me. So you have access to all of me. Go create the life that I have allowed you to create powerfully. Because to your point, it's not about what we are doing for the Lord. It's about whether we are connected to him to then go create a life that truly is pleasing to him. It's, I'm sure, such a pleasure for you as a father to see your kids living a life that they actually feel they're showing up purposefully, powerfully, that they're passionate about, that they're not just going to a job because they think they need to be going to it or that they think that that job is what's going to please you the most mm -hmm. and they're actually miserable <laughs> and they're not feeling super fulfilled, purposeful. You know, there's a big difference in, in how we go about living our life, even for those who love the Lord, want to serve him, and yet we're leaking power when we don't understand this concept of it's not 
a rule book. It's a relationship with the connected father that actually has given you every part of himself to go live a powerful, purposeful life. Yeah. And I actually experienced the pain of that for more than 15 years. And I just so desperately wanted to do the right thing. I didn't want to disappoint God. And I was raised where I had a father present physically, but he was intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually absent. And so he never taught me things about manhood, about marriage, about money, about my identity, about God. Like these were not things that were taught to me. So while I'm grateful for my dad and he did the best that he could, his father served in three wars, the World War II, Korean War, and Vietnam. And so he was always gone and he was emotionally detached because of the trauma that he experienced in war. Well, that was passed on to my dad. So my dad was never expressive. And I never had a deep intellectually or emotionally deep conversation with him ever. And now he has dementia. And so I have flashes of emotion now that show up. So I'm able to see into the heart of who my dad really was, but he just was a very wounded young boy that in many ways never had a father to show him these things. And therefore he never had the ability to show me either. And so like learning all of these things, is just a bigger picture of us being connected with an understanding of the broader picture of life and what we were created for, how we were created to operate and be fathered by other men. And as I look at my kids now, I'm like, I want to look at them and say, hey, what do you want to do? Right? So I was asking God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Or God was like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, that doesn't matter. I just want to do what you want me to do. And I remember one time I was praying to tie a bow on this conversation. And I, and I was just so worried about not pleasing God. And I just heard the Lord say, isn't it ironic that you want to please me so bad that you're actually disobeying me? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, doesn't my word say not to worry about tomorrow for today has got enough worries of its own. You're sitting here so worried about everything. You're so worried mm-hmm. about pleasing me. You're so worried. Say, like, just go do the thing. You've got to, you know, you've got good intentions. You've got good motives. Go do what you want to do. And it still took me a long time to be able to actually unpack that. But now as I'm looking at my kids, it's the same thing. Sometimes my kids, I can see them wrestling through what is it that they should do. And as a father, I'm like, well, what do you want to do? What makes you come alive? There's no wrong decision. Make a decision. Because if you don't make a decision, you're not actually cutting off other possibilities. So to, to decide is literally to cut off other options and is to, and that is actually the activation of faith. It's what allows you to do this. And so what I have found is that God wants to walk with us and he wants the desires of our heart to be fulfilled. But church and Christianity has oftentimes told us that our desires are evil. And so our thoughts are evil. Our ways are evil. Everything about me is evil. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. Well, at some level that is true. But coming into a relationship with the Father, we get a blank slate to be able to build from. And so I actually don't have to live into that identity as a sinner. I don't have to actually live into that identity as a man who's broken and who's confused. I actually get to live into a new identity. And that identity is one of a creator because I was created in the image and likeness of God to build my life however I see fit. And a son to a good father that is already pleased with you. And so, you know, even just to wrap all this up, going back to the purposes of your book, how Christianity, we're talking about religion, we're talking about systemic organization that 
became really a separate entity that Jesus did not come and teach about. When we remove religion, any other man, man-made system, set of rules, obligations, whatever it is, when we remove that, we actually get to have relationship with God where we then become the creators of our life and are responsible for the results of our life. And so it was always God's heart for us to be fully free in direct relationship, like Adam walking with him hand in hand in the garden and having nothing that comes between us and a good father that ultimately is the one that gives us purpose, that is the one that gives us power, that is the one that gives us the ability to go create and know that we still have a really powerful, good, loving father behind us, supporting us all the way. And so this is what ultimately you're wanting to invite people into experiencing. And if that's not what they've experienced in church, there is a lot to say about it, but it was never God's plan for you to live a life by another person's rules, obligations, or relationship with God. God removed every barrier so that you would have direct pipeline to him, to the father. And so that is what we're inviting people in to really experience for themselves. And if they haven't experienced that or they've shut the door to God, then it's something to consider that you're actually leaking a lot of power in your life by not having that direct pipeline to the Lord. And that is what really, I believe, is the heart behind your yeah. book. Well, it's interesting. So you've triggered a few thoughts in me with this. <laughs> One in your reference with Adam, is that a picture of pure connection to God is when Adam was in the garden, he was naked, completely free, vulnerable, and connected with God. And then when sin came, he put clothing on to hide himself from God. And that clothing represents separation from God. And I would say that any clothing that we put on, any label, any identity that we cover ourselves with ultimately becomes a separation from God. And so church has become that in many ways for a lot of people. The other point that you got me thinking about is that the reason why this message is actually so controversial, it's only controversial with Christians because Christians are so attached to the label of Christianity that they wear that they become very defensive. And there has been an alienation of other religions as being the bad, false religion. And so the, the rub here is really that I am in the right religion. In Christianity, if you are a Christian and you are connected to God and Jesus Christ and you're living the way we talked about and you want to express that through Christianity, that's fine. But there is no right religion. There, there was never intended to be a religion. So that's the whole point of this is that religion is just an expression that you've chosen to wear as a label. To wear as a label, but it isn't the way. Christianity is not the way. Jesus is the way. Christianity might be a vehicle that you use to access the way. Well, and just as a self-reflection point, if this is triggering for you, 
I would suggest asking yourself, has any part of you actually adopted the label of Christianity or whatever whatever your specific religion is as a, another form of identity? Because you had said to me, whether it was on a different podcast or earlier in our conversation, that if you were to remove every single church, every single religion off the face of this earth and, and all of the all of the organizations burned down, we would still be left with the spirit of God on this earth and living within us. And so that ultimately is our purest identity, is our relation, our direct relation as a son or daughter to God and not what affiliation we have with our church. So it really is bringing back the simplicity of the gospel and why Jesus came is to give us identity in his sacrifice to have right relationship with God as a son and daughter. Once again, we get to walk naked with the Lord. That may sound weird, but I think it's honestly the most powerful place that you can be. You know, you think about even just the connection you have in covenant relationship in marriage, it's such an intimate thing. It becomes the most intimate relationship where they do see you naked. They see every part of good, bad, ugly, the bad breath in the morning, the sour attitude in the afternoon, whatever it is, but it ultimately creates an intimate connection that there is nothing separating you from being completely one. And so this is the invitation that Jesus had invited those who followed him and believed in him as the way to God. And so he is the way anything else can become a hindrance to us when we create an identity out of that other thing that is not Jesus himself. Yep. Yeah. So I think to sum it up, the book for me is to help men specifically to rewire their mind around the conversation of, of God and the conversation of creation on this earth. So it's, the, it's for the man who wants to build a successful life in every area of their life and want to do that outside of the confines of religion at any level. And by doing that, that's really why I've created even the outlier's way. It's really a way of life, a way that I have learned to live that has not always been an easy path by any means. But because of the things I've learned, it is becoming easier as I go because I'm becoming more certain about who I am. I'm becoming more certain about what I want, and I'm becoming more certain about God's intentions for me as a man. And so that is really the power behind all of this, is this is not just to expose Christianity. This is just basically for me to say, hey, a lot of the things that you felt, here's why you've been feeling them. And here's a way to get out of that to where you're not living in resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness. You're not closing the door to things that you actually should open because it benefits you. Exactly. Well, this is definitely something we're going to continue to talk about. In the meantime, The Good Cult is out for pre-sales. Where can they find the book? on Amazon, or you can go to thegoodcultbook.com. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. Continue to join us here next time to unpack all of these topics. And we're going to be getting into a lot more stuff that will be helpful 
to the listeners in really how does this show up in your everyday life? What does this look like practically? What do we do in living the outliers way? And what does that actually look like? So if you are interested in hearing more, and if you haven't already, follow us. We will always be dropping more things that we're doing, more podcasts to come. So if this was enlightening, challenging, leave us some comments. Also share it with your friends and We look forward to talking with you next time.